This program is presented by CreamCityUSA.com. This is Leonard Nimoy. The year is 1922, and we are in Egypt, in the Valley of the Tombs of the Kings. In ancient times, when the pharaohs were still buried here, it was called the City of the Dead. It has always been a barren and desolate place. Now, across the empty landscape, walled in by rocky cliffs, all that meets the eye is a small cluster of tents. In one of them, perspiring in the desert heat, is an American archaeologist, Dr. Malcolm Lambert. He's preparing a report to the Gralty Foundation, which finances his work here in Egypt. Now, let's see. Because the newspapers have made such an outrageous melodrama of the dreadful tragedy that has recently happened here, I wish the Foundation to have an accurate account of it and of the bizarre series of events that preceded it. This report was compiled from interviews with members of my team and from my journal. I will start the story on January 25th, 1922. I was in my tent at the site. It was early morning and the diggers and basket boys had collected to begin the day's work. Suddenly, my young assistant, Gerald Boardman, burst into the tent. Oh, boy, Dr. Lambert, that's it. We're out of business. Good morning, Gerald. What is it this time? The tools have been stolen. What? Shovels, picks, everything. But how could that If there ha- really is a pharaoh's tomb here, we're never going to find it. I don't know who's trying to bring our work to a halt, but this time, they've succeeded. And that's only the beginning of our story. Mutual Radio Theater, a new adventure in radio listening. Five nights of exceptional entertainment every week, brought to you in Elliot Lewis's production of the Mutual Radio Theater. Our story, The Lover of Silence by Robert Ellis. Our stars, Howard Culver, Tommy Cook, and Shepard Mencken. Nothing beats a great pair of legs. Can you imagine a dancer with wrinkles around her ankles? Hi, I'm Juliette Prowse. As a dancer, my pantyhose must fit perfectly. So I wear legs regular pantyhose with memory yarn. Stretches out and back. Fits whether I'm kicking high or bending low. Legs regular pantyhose with memory yarn and a pure cotton panel. Believe me, Juliette Prowse. Nothing beats a great pair of legs. Your American Cancer Society presents Athletes Against Cancer. I'm Johnny Bench with football great Bob Greasy. Thanks, John. You're a catcher and I'm a quarterback, yet we share common concerns. Calling signals, crucial part of any ball game. And we're both deeply concerned about cancer, and here the signals are even more crucial. Cancer's early warning signals. I wish everyone would learn them. We owe it to ourselves. And give generously. Remember, it's your American Cancer Society. Thousands of years, the golden treasures of the Egyptian pharaohs have appealed to the noblest and the basest of man's instincts. Many have gazed in awe at the exquisite beauty of the royal furnishings. Others have carefully studied them, seeking to learn the history of a great and banished civilization. But still others have looted the tombs and carried off the wealth to satisfy their own personal greed. Now. In 1922, the time of our story, little is left. 
The Egyptian government deals harshly with thieves and carefully regulates the number of historical treasures that may be taken out of the country. Two separate teams of archaeologists are at work at opposite ends of the Valley of the Kings. A British expedition, led by Howard Carter, will soon uncover the fabulous treasures of King Tutankhamun. But our story concerns Dr. Malcolm Lambert's team. And just now, with their tools gone and their diggers standing idle, prospects are dim indeed. Were all the tools stolen, Gerald? Every last one. I, I wonder if someone really is trying to stop our work here. Well, it certainly looks that way to me. Our problems began at the very start of the season, didn't they? With that mix-up about the government permits. I really had to use a lot of pressure to get the papers out at all. Then we had the fire in the laboratory tent. Yes, that was a close call. It was just lucky I had the records in my tent that night. Otherwise, we'd have lost everything. And now the tools have been stolen. I guess the next question is, who's behind all this? And why? I can't imagine. Why should anyone want to interfere with our excavations? How about our friends, the British team at the other end of the valley? Howard Carter, preposterous. A professional rivalry, that, that sort of thing. I've known Howard for years. I'd stake my life on his integrity. Well, just a thought. In the meantime, there's no way we can get any more digging done. Well, where's Fuad? I have no idea. He can go back to his desk job in Cairo, as far as I'm concerned. No, no, no. This is his first field assignment, remember. Besides, he's as helpful as any liaison officer I've ever worked with. Ah, let's see how good he is at tracking down some new tools for us. There's only about a month left of this season. We're running out of time. Yes, and running out of money, too, I'm afraid. Oh, that foundation gives me a pain. I'm not surprised they're thinking of cutting off our funds. Nearly three full seasons here, and all we have to show for it is one worthless scarab. If we had to find a scarab, why couldn't it be a really good one? Wouldn't it be great to be able to tell the Foundation and Howard Carter and everybody else that we've dug up a fabulously valuable scarab covered with gold and no, jewels No, no, no. And... Easy, easy, Gerald. Don't get carried away. <laughs> we have some pressing problems to... Shh! shh. What, what, what was that? I, I, I didn't hear anything. Shh. I think someone's outside the tent. Is that you, Fuad? It is only me, good Dr. Lambert. Oh, Moharab, good morning. Uh, do you know where your Uncle Fuad is? Yes, 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 Doctor. I just now saw him talking to one of the guards. Were you here in camp last night, Moharab? Oh, yes, Mr. Boatman. Yes, yes. Did you see anyone near the tool enclosure? I am extremely sorry, no, Mr. Boatman. I did not look out of our tent all night. Extremely sorry. Would you please tell your uncle that we'd like to see him? Yes, 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 good Dr. Lambert. I will run all the way. A fairly fast walk would have been quite all right. <laughs> it's hard to believe that any young man can really be so servile. I'm glad Fuad doesn't let him visit the dig very often. He makes my skin crawl. Meanwhile, we have some basic questions to settle. Do you think we're justified in spending still more of the Foundation's money this late in the season? Buying new tools? Of course we are. I wish I felt that certain. Look at it this way. We've still got a month. And if we don't dig, we won't find anything, will we? Yes, that's right. Good morning, Dr. Lambert. Mr. Boardman. Good morning, Ford. Uh, please come in. What can you tell us about the tools? Very little, I fear. 
It appears that at an unknown time, during the night, the enclosure was broken into and the tools were carried off. There are whole gangs of thieves hanging around outside the camp just waiting to grab something, anything they can sell. Oh, now, that's a little exaggerated, don't you think? Regrettably, Mr. Boardman is quite nearly correct. My country is not a wealthy one, and many poor people are forced by the circumstances of poverty to steal in order to live. However, they do not operate as a general rule in gangs. But in this particular case... They did. That appears to be probable. Several men would be required to carry away all the tools at one descent. And yet no one saw anything. That's strange. Though Ahmed is foreman and not myself, Dr. Lambert, I suggested to him that he should discharge the guard whose patrol included the tool enclosure. You suspect the guard of theft? One cannot be certain. In any event... I believe it is wise to show the men that they must all perform their duties excellently. I'll have to go to Cairo for new tools. Ah, a pity. When time is so precious. It can't be helped. It'll take me at least... If I may interject, I might save a substantial period by telegraphing to my superiors at the Department of Antiquities. I would ask them to have the tools purchased and assembled at their warehouse. You, Mr. Boardman, would need only to go there, settle a single account, and bring the tools here. That's a fine idea. Great. I should... uh, Let's see now. I should be able to catch the 9.30 train from Luxor. And I shall telegraph at once. Oh, 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 Dr. Lambert, may I recall to you your wish to re-examine the cliffs across the valley? Oh, yes. I... uh... Yes, this would be a good time. Could you ask Ahmed to have the donkeys ready in half an hour? Oh, certainly, Dr. Lambert. And we'll be back this evening. I will meet with you eagerly at that time. Thank you, Fouad. I wonder if his Arabic is as strange as his English. In any case, with all the confusion this morning, we've forgotten about my daughter. Oh, Carolyn, yes. When is it she's arriving? Her ship gets into Alexandria day after tomorrow. Hey, hey, I could meet her there. I'll be as close as Cairo anyway. Oh, that would be splendid. Uh, is she really as pretty as you say she is? <laughs> yes, she is. Oh, then we're going to get along fine. <laughs> you probably will. Ahmed and I rode our donkeys over to the opposite side of the valley and tethered them in the shade of a rocky ledge. Howard Carter had told me about some rumors he'd heard of a mysterious sarcophagus hidden in one of the shallow caves that the hot desert wind had hollowed out of the cliffs here. We spent several hours walking along the rough trail at the base of the cliff, looking into every likely opening. Find nothing, Doctor. No, Ahmed, nothing at all. Let's stop here in the shade and rest a few minutes. Yes, Doctor. Ah... Oh, that's better. As a matter of fact, our entire dig hasn't turned up much more, has it? A scarab, Doctor? Well, I'm afraid that doesn't amount to anything. Important. I only wish it were. No, we really have nothing to show for all our work. And now, with one setback after another... Setback? Setback, Doctor? Oh, uh, uh, difficulty, a problem. Oh, oh. yes, yes. Do you think there's really a... Did... did you hear something? 
Maybe wind? Yes. Yes, I, I guess I'm imagining things. <laughs> well, do you think someone's really trying to keep us from digging here, Ahmed? It's strange, Doctor. Yes, yes it is. Can you guess at what... No, my... no, can't guess. Bad to guess. Yes, but if we all try to understand what's... Doctor! Ahmed, those rocks. Why, if you hadn't pushed me... Doctor is all right? Yes, yes, I... Thanks to you. What happened? Rocks came from clifftop. And fell here. They could have killed us both. Thanks heavens you moved so fast. Why, why, Ahmed, you're trembling. Must go home. Yes, yes, certainly. Let's get started. No, no. You go home to America. What, what do you mean? Danger. Doctor can do nothing here. But if... Can do nothing. Scarab. Curse of Pharaoh. This has been Vereen from March of Dimes. I'll bet the last thing you expect from me is a message about newborn babies. But that's what I want to talk about. It's important to me. The way I see it, a newborn child belongs to two people. And both of them are equally responsible. So, when we are going to have a baby, we make sure that we follow the March of Dimes advice. My wife gets the best prenatal care possible. We see a doctor early and often. And I help her to remember that. We both make an effort to see that she eats right, that she exercises, and that no drugs are taken without a doctor's approval. With guidelines from the March of Dimes, our baby has every possible chance to make a healthy entrance into this world. A happy one. Hey, maybe even singing. Jerry Boardman returned to the Valley of the Kings, bringing both Carolyn Lambert and the new tools with him. Father and daughter were happily reunited after their long separation. The girl's pretty smile and easygoing charm brought a welcome change to the Spartan atmosphere that normally prevailed at the dig. At last, the men were able to go back to work in the trench. Ahmed had calmed down a bit, but he seemed nervous and apprehensive. I took Carolyn on a tour of the dig. Workmen with wicker baskets full of sand and rock filed up the steep path out of the trench on their way to the dump. Far below us, Gerald was directing the diggers at the very bottom of the trench. I just can't bear that man. <laughs> You've told me that so often since you arrived. I suspect you're trying to convince yourself of it. Your field is archaeology, Father, not psychology. I forget the silly reason you gave me for disliking him. It's not silly. I think he's trying to push you out of the directorship of the dig so he can take oh, over. That's nonsense. And next, you'll be telling me he sneaked off the train, came back here, and pushed those rocks down on Ahmed and me. I wish you wouldn't treat that so lightly. Well, I can't go around forever in fear of my life, Carolyn. I'm thankful what? that... What's that? I, I didn't think I... Well, that strange sound. Don't you hear it? No, I don't hear anything. In fact, it seems unusually quiet for... Oh, that's it. <laughs> the diggers have stopped work for a few minutes. It's the silence you noticed. Oh, oh, I guess I'm getting jumpy. 
But I'm worried about you, Father. You've got to be careful. Everyone's nagging me about that. Gerald's been after oh, me ever since... Oh, that man. Do you know he spent the entire train trip telling me that you're doing everything wrong here? Carolyn, my dear girl, that doesn't mean anything. He got so technical. I didn't even know what he was talking about half the time. He said the sides of the trench were too steep that it was liable to cave in. Oh, he and I have discussed that, but I've been digging in this kind of rock and gravel for 30 years, and you develop a feeling for what you can and can't do with it. The trench is perfectly all right. Fuad agrees with me. And you know I wouldn't endanger the men. Oh, I told Jerry he was crazy. Well, now, he's young, he's excitable, conscientious, but not really crazy. Oh, Father, you always like everybody. He's also a first-class assistant. I'm lucky to have him. <laughs> All right, don't overdo it. And he most certainly doesn't want me out of the way. Oh, but there is some sort of plot, isn't there? Oh, I, I really don't think so, Carolyn. But you're not completely sure, are you? Gerald convinced me at last that he and I should talk seriously about our succession of accidents. They simply could not be plain bad luck, he said. An unknown person was trying to bring our work to a halt. He pointed out that since Ahmed and I had nearly been killed by the rock slide, our enemy, that was his word, would stop at nothing. At Gerald's urging, I posted special guards around my tent to be sure that no one would eavesdrop, and he and I met inside to discuss our situation. When you get right down to it, Dr. Lambert, your daughter Carolyn is the only person here who can't be a suspect. Really, Gerald, if you're going to pick on Come every... on now, you agreed that we should talk. Reluctantly. Well, even so, you agreed. Now, Carolyn didn't get here till after the so-called accident, so we She can... suspects you, by the way. What? Me? Really? Oh, yes, yes, she's quite firm about it. <laughs> well, you tell her... Uh, that I wouldn't plot against you till after you've actually found a pharaoh's tomb. Once you've done all the hard work, then I'll get rid of you and take over. Why don't you speak to her yourself? Because she's avoiding me. Oh, that won't last long. What does she really think my motive is? Pretty much just what you said, that you'd like to take over the dig? I suppose that does look like a possibility. Okay, I'm a suspect. Now, what about um? Out of the question. He was with me when the rocks fell. But he wasn't hurt, was he? Well, no, but... Also, the workmen consider him the boss, not you. And don't forget, we allow Ahmed to distribute their pay. I don't see your point. I only mean that he's got a whole crew of willing accomplices. All right. Ahmed's second on the list. Now, let's consider Fuad. He's an even less likely suspect than Ahmed. And he'd need accomplices, too. He couldn't have carried off the tools all by himself... And the workmen don't even like him, as far as I can tell. No, he acts pretty superior most of the time. Oh, he's an extremely intelligent man and well-educated. In Egypt, that puts him in a special class. He's also comparatively well-paid, I imagine, which means that he could hire accomplices. Doubtful, I think, but, well, let's put his name down. Now, who else is there? Mohareb, our own Uriah Heep. <laughs> we actually don't know much about Mohareb, do we? No, not really. He's Fuad's nephew. He's uh, nearly finished school, seems to like visiting the dig, but I can't remember when he was here and when he wasn't. Neither can I. Well, in any case, on my list of suspects, Mohareb's the least likely. The kid's afraid of his own shadow. Hmm. What uh, about motive? Considering Ahmed first, he'd be out of a job if we shut down, so I can't imagine why... Come to think of it, just before the rock slide, he and I were talking about... Uh, that's not important. No, no, no. What did he say? Well, he mentioned the scarab and... You never told me that. Well, it hardly seemed necessary. 
What is the only thing, other than tons of gravel, that we have dug up so far? The scarab, of course. Exactly, the scarab. And I think that's the key to the whole plot. But it's nothing, Jerry. It's plaster. It's even badly made. Probably a clumsy attempt by an apprentice jeweler. You and I know that because we're looking at it as American archaeologists. Uh, you mean that... Someone who doesn't know what it really is might think it was enormously valuable? Or enormously important. Oh, now, that's interesting. Ahmed appears to think it's important. He said so. That's just my point. Some Egyptians might very well see all sorts of religious or political significance in it. Things that you and I would never dream of. All right, suppose we take the scarab over to Howard Carter's camp. He may know more about this aspect of it than we do. Okay. Where is the thing, anyway? Right here on the table, under the maps. No, no, I don't see it. Here, it's in this box with it. Good heavens, it's gone. Oh, it must be here somewhere. No, well, no, I looked uh, at it just this afternoon. I'm positive I put it back in the box. Gerald, it's been stolen. that gives you more than just an extra. There's more than sunshine and raindrops out there. Howling wind, bitter cold, fierce heat, mud, pollution. To protect against all that you need. Turtle Extra. The extra protection of polymers, the extra durability of silicones give you extra hard shell protection. Probably more protection than you'll ever need. Turtle Extra. Extra hard shell. Turtle Extra. Young bright, eager to learn, but without resources. It's a helpless, hopeless feeling. Project SEED, the American Chemical Society program, brings help and hope to economically disadvantaged students. We've given aid to nearly 1,000 students in the 10 years since we started. We're not the biggest aid program, but the break we give students may be the only one they will ever get or need. Project SEED, the American Chemical Society. The night is hot and still, and a strange air of foreboding hangs over the camp. Carolyn, unable to sleep, climbs to the top of the hill that overlooks the dig. The guards recognize her and continue on their rounds. She stands there alone, looking out across the valley, lost in thought. Suddenly, there's a noise behind her. My dear Miss Lambert. Fuad, oh, he startled me. Oh, I'm profoundly sorry, Miss Lambert. But surely you should be in your tent at this hour. Oh, but it's so peaceful up here. I felt as if I were the only living person for miles around. I too have felt that same sensation here, Miss Lambert. There is a special atmosphere, a feeling of solitude and silence. Yes, it's so terribly quiet. It was so even in ancient times. Do you see that mountain peak up above us there against the sky? The highest one? It looks like a pyramid. Ah, precisely so. That peak was believed to be the home of the goddess Myrut Saigar, who presided over the royal tombs, the city of the dead. She was called the lover of silence. I wonder. I wonder if the goddess was a lover of... How extraordinary that you should say so, Miss Lambert. Oh, it's so lovely by moonlight. Your pyramid mountain up there looks like solid silver. It almost has a ghostly glow. There are ghosts all about us, Miss Lambert. Uh, oh, 
You aren't trying to frighten me, are you? Oh, no, 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 no. That would be ungallant. I meant only that ghosts are quite nearly all that is left here in the Valley of the Kings. Ghosts and empty tombs. Empty? But what about the mummies of the pharaohs and all the gold and jewels? Oh, gone long ago, Miss Lambert. Most of the treasure was stolen by tomb robbers in ancient times. Scientists and collectors have since carried off the remainder. Oh, but my father There thinks... may still be a hidden tomb that no one has yet found. Mr. Howard Carter thinks so, and your good father also believes he is quite near to one. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful for him if he could make a really spectacular discovery? That happens but rarely. Uh, but one of the most spectacular finds of all scarcely involved either gold or jewels. Really? What was it? During the 21st dynasty, in order to thwart the tomb robbers, the priests of Amon secretly moved the sacred remains of the pharaohs from their original tombs to other, more secure resting places. At last, most of the mummies were collected in two hidden depositories. Did anyone ever find them? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But before that happened, the pharaohs remained safe and undisturbed for more than... Three thousand years. Three thousand years. One of those hiding places was discovered when I was a young child. But in this event, happily, the Egyptian government secured control. The Department of Antiquities sent down a German gentleman to take charge. The mummies had been placed in a vast secret crypt deep under the cliffs. The German gentleman needed to lower himself by rope. At the bottom of the shaft... He lit a torch and held it high to illuminate the huge chamber. The stone coffins of the pharaohs lay about in great numbers. In the flickering light, he gazed upon the sarcophagi of the most powerful rulers of our ancient world. The pharaoh Totmos III was there, and the great Ramses. The German gentleman discovered that he was standing amidst the earthly remains of 40 pharaohs. 40? Goodness, oh, what a wonderful day that must have been for archaeology. For Egypt, Miss Lambert. The sarcophagi containing the mummies of the pharaohs were taken by barge down the Nile to the museum at Cairo. The Egyptian people reacted as if they were witnessing the funeral of a beloved monarch recently dead. They lined the riverbanks to watch. My father held me high up on his shoulder so I could see. My mother murmured prayers as the boat glided slowly past. Men fired their rifles in salute. Women followed along at the water's edge, tearing their hair and wailing a high, shrill cry of grief. I... I can hear it still. A lamentation for long-gone glories. An ancient cry of mourning echoing down from the days of the pharaohs themselves. The work here in the valley means a great deal to you, doesn't it, Fuad? I... I like to think, my dear Miss Lambert, that my work here is of value. But <laughs> I ramble too much. No, yes, really, yes, I... yes, 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 it is a serious failing. The moon has nearly set behind the hills, and you should get some sleep. Well... Perhaps you're right. Oh, assuredly so. I hope we can talk again soon, Fuad. That would be charming. Good night, Miss Lambert.
I'm not sure I fully understand you, Ahmed. You mean you actually saw Muharrab in my tent? Not in, Doctor. Maybe come out. Do you think he might have taken the scarab? Maybe, Doctor. Where were you when you saw him? With workmen, far away. And this was yesterday afternoon? Yes, Doctor. Well, Ahmed, thank you for telling us. I see Muharrab's down there at the bottom of the trench. Would you ask him to come up here, please? Yes, Doctor. I can't believe it. Is Muharrab the one behind all this? Well, I'm shocked, too. How could that little pipsqueak cause so much trouble? I wouldn't have thought he had the nerve to sneeze. But we must be sure to give him every chance to tell his story. You wanted me, good Dr. Lambert? Yes, Muharrab. I might as well come right out to it. You were seen near my tent yesterday at the time the scarab disappeared. I may have been, Dr. Lambert, uh, Mr. Borkman, but I did not take it. I would not steal from friends who had been so good to me. But we have a witness, Moharab. Impossible, good Mr. Borkman. I have not stolen anything. And all the time you go around here as if you're eager to kiss our boots. But, but I like to be polite to show my appreciation. Moharab, did you take the scarab? No, 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 good Dr. Lambert. Never. It'd be pretty dumb to steal a worthless scarab anyway. I swear on the heart of my mother that... Moharab, what's the matter? Why are you staring like that? Scarab is worthless? But you you said it was fabulously valuable. When did I say that? Oh, so you were listening outside the tent the other day. You spoke of gold and jewels. I was talking about something else, Moharab. The scarab you stole is worth only a few dollars. You tricked me. No one tricked you, Moharab. You did. I, I humiliated myself day after day and... You are devils! Devils! So all that groveling really was just an act. Moharab, I know you're not here at the dig very often, but... Devils! Go back to America where you belong! It was you all the time. Oh, I might have known. Your Uncle Fuad will be extremely... Hey, un- hey, what's going on down there in the trench? Well, I, I don't know. Something's happened. Now, what have you done now, you Guard. miserable... Guard! Yes, Doctor? Take charge of Muharrab, and don't let him out of your sight. Yes, Doctor? Here comes Ahmed up from the trench. He's running. Doctor! Doctor! Mr. Boardman! Ahmed, what is it? What's wrong? Steps, Doctor. Steps, Mr. Boardman. Steps? What do you mean? Stairway cut into stone. A stairway? I can hardly believe it. Gerald, do you realize what this means? Yes, sir. After all this time, we found it. We found our tomb. I like pepperoni, but it doesn't like me. Feel better fast with Digel. With the ingredients in Digel, relief from acid indigestion and gas starts in less than a minute. I like corned beef. I like cabbage. I like franks. I like beans. I like spaghetti. And meatballs. But they don't like me. If you like something that doesn't like you, feel better fast with Digel. Digel relief starts in less than a minute. For occasional use only as directed. Forty love smashing. How she plays? No, how she looks in action-proof eye makeup from Maybelline, like ultra big ultra lash mascara, smear-proof, smudge-proof, waterproof. So long, longest-looking lashes stay in the thick of the action. Game set and match. 
Action proof. Keeps you looking good after the action, too. Ultra big, ultra lash mascara. Incredibly long looking lashes without flaky fibers. From Maybelline. Smashing. Leonard Nimoy again. And here's the fourth act of The Lover of Silence. February 3rd, 1922. Events moved swiftly after the discovery of the steps at the bottom of the trench. We quickly cleared away enough gravel to reveal the entire stairway cut into the rock, leading steeply downward. At its foot, we came upon a tunnel, large enough to stand up in, also cut into the rock. But it, too, was filled with debris and gravel, and still more backbreaking work was required. By late afternoon, the tunnel was cleared. We assembled in the eerie half-light at the far end of it, deep under the rock. In front of us was a sealed doorway, blocked with rubble and plastered over. A pharaoh's tomb for sure, Dr. Lambert. Yes, and the seals are unbroken. It's, it's incredible. Oh, I wish we had more flashlights. It's, it's too late in the day to clear the door completely. I thought I might use this chisel to make a small hole here, at least enough to, to see what's on the other side. Let me slip in beside you. All right. Yes. Scrape a little along the lower edge there. All right. Good. Now, let me... Can you get it? Is it moving? Yeah, I, I think... Ah, it's out. <coughs> Jerry, what's the matter? It's bad air. Dust, perhaps. It'll be gone right away. Possibly you should not exert yourself for a moment, Mr. Borden. <coughs> Maybe not. Dr. Lambert, you should be the first <coughs> to look through anyway. Oh, yes, Father. Won't you take my light, Dr. Lambert? Thank you, Fouad. Father, can you see anything? I never... Are you all right? Oh, yes. Yes. What do you see? Such, such beautiful things, exquisite. Wall paintings, furniture, statues. Many statues. A great carved chest, bundles heaped on the floor. Oh, can you see any gold? Oh, yes, my dear. Gold everywhere. I prepared a statement for Fuad to send to the Department of Antiquities, asking them to notify the press and requesting additional police. We arranged to take turns standing watch that night at the door of the tomb. Gerald chose the first shift. I relieved him at 10 o'clock, and the hours from then until 2 a.m. passed very slowly. Thoughts raced through my mind without any rational order. In the excitement of our great discovery, Carolyn and Gerald seemed to have patched up their differences. Moharab was still temporarily in the custody of our guards. There had been no time to deal with him, but at least he could cause no further difficulties for us. We were all safe. The tomb had been found, and in a few more hours, we would open it. Ah, Fuad, I'm glad to see you. Ah, yes, Dr. Lambert. I've got to confess, it's been a lonely four hours down here. Precisely so. There's no point in my going back up to the tent. I'm thoroughly wide awake. Would you mind if I stayed here and chatted with you? The tunnel is stifling, Dr. Lambert. You should go outside into the clean air. Oh, I will soon. But I wanted to tell you how grateful I am for all your help. There is no need for gratitude. Oh, but there is. We've had so many difficulties lately, and you've always been... It was not my plan to tell you in this manner. But you are entitled to a special explanation. An explanation of what? You speak euphemistically of difficulties. Is it a surprise to hear that your Mr. Boardman is responsible for those difficulties? Well, that's inconceivable. Quite naturally. Mr. Boardman does not know that he was a participant. At the department offices, 
He caused an outrageous disturbance when there was a small delay in issuing your permits to dig. He acted as if he had personally come to rescue Egypt from the Dark Ages. Now, Fuad, surely that's an exaggeration. I have seen many foreign archaeologists call it the department. They all have the same overbearing attitude, the manner that seems to say, you poor Egyptians should feel honored that we are willing to invest our money and talent in your miserable little country. Really, Fuad, I think... We have had too much of foreign arrogance. It has prevailed for years. I myself resolved to act. I applied for a position in the field with your team. But what's this got to it do with... It was I who started the fire in the laboratory tent. I who arranged for the theft of the tools. You? But I thought Moharab was... No, 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 no. You were in error there. I am not very pleased with my nephew. He plays at being the groveler, but who knows what his mind is doing. He will never be capable of anything but petty and selfish designs. I know nothing of his stealing the scarab. The other difficulties, as you term them, were all part of my plan. It was also I who arranged the rock slide near the cliffs. You tried to kill us? Certainly not. If I wanted to kill anyone, I should not use so clumsy and imprecise a weapon. I wished only to frighten you. But the rocks very nearly hit Ahmed. Ahmed is a peasant. I... I must ask you to go up to your tent at once. But why did you do all this, Fuad? I wish the foreign excavators to leave my country. Egypt is entitled to keep all of her treasures, not merely a part of them. But now you have found the tomb. It promises to be one of the most splendid of discoveries. And so, there is no more time. I, I have therefore formed a new plan... Fuad, that's at least four times you've taken out your watch and looked at it. What's wrong? You must leave. Go up to the surface and stay there. Tell me why. You are always the kind and considerate gentleman, Dr. Lambert. Not like the others. I could not bear it. I, I do not want you to be killed. Killed? There is an explosive here. My God, the tomb. No, 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 no. The tomb is safe. I would not harm it. But then where's the explosive? Fuad? It is hidden in the trench. I'll find it. No, 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 you cannot. No time is left. You must go. What, what about you, Fuad? I remain here. No. Ah, it is the moment for a dramatic gesture. I have sent a statement of my own to Cairo in company with yours. Our news is already going out and the eyes of the world are turning on to this spot. This is 1922, Dr. Lambert. Egypt must be rid of foreign domination in archaeology, in everything. That is my proclamation. <laughs> proclamation is the correct word, is it not? Fuad, please. The whole world will see how desperately we need our own scientists. Perhaps then authentic philanthropists will come to our aid, those that genuinely wish to help my country. I would die to achieve that. No, the Fuad. The tomb can readily be excavated again. There will be only a temporary interruption. But it is our national heritage, ours. We must keep a firm grip on our glorious past. And soon, sometime in the future, my dear country will once again... Not this way, Fuad. There's so much you can do, so much... 
What was that? Someone's coming. No. No! Father, are you down there? Carolyn, stop! Don't come down here! Carolyn! Carolyn, stop! Go back! What's wrong? Don't come down here! Father, what is it? Stay up there where you are! Don't move! The conclusion of our story, after these words. You know, a hometown is never just a place on a map. It's more like a feeling, something to hold on to when things go wrong. That hometown feeling is especially important to the men and women you know in our armed services. Men and women who may be thousands of miles away from home for months or even years, who go through the same emergencies and personal traumas that come to us all. Well, there are some folks around who see that those service people are never out of touch with home. They're the people at the Red Cross chapter with a special service to the armed forces, a service that carries messages about an illness or a newborn child that can make a loan or a grant for an emergency trip home. It's only with our help that the Red Cross chapter just down the street can also be just down the street from every service person you know, and that's where hometown ought to be. Red Cross is counting on you to help. Oh, Father, thank God you weren't hurt. I just... Just a little out of breath, that's all. What happened? It... It was Fuad. He put an explosive in the trench and... And he's buried down there. Fuad? Oh, I, I can't believe it. Why would he do such a thing? He said it was a... A gesture... That's as good a word as any, I suppose. A sad and, and splendid gesture. Carolyn and I were still clinging to each other when Gerald came running up to us. We three stood silently, looking back on the spreading pall of dust, ghostly in the moonlight, that hung over the jumbled rocks where our trench had been. That scene will stay with me forever. Above it all, High up on the horizon rose the pyramid of living rock, shining like a silver monument, the home of the lover of silence. What's it a name? Well, it takes a lot of fine names to make Sears' name stand for quality. Names you've always counted on, like Kenmore, Craftsman, Easy Living, and Die Hard. Names that kids and moms cheer, like Winnie the Pooh and Tough Skins. Names that are a part of your life today, like Permaprest, Klingalon, and Winter 2. And, of course, they're Sears' best products in everything from T-shirts to tractors. What's in a name? Well, it takes a lot of truly dependable names to make our name. Sears Roebuck & Company. There's a place for everyone on the PTA. When we became a single-parent family, problems at home were affecting my kids in school. But working with the PTA made it easier to cope. As a teacher, I know that children benefit when there's trust between parents and teachers. The PTA makes this possible. My wife and I feel the PTA is a place to solve school problems. Everyone gets involved. There's a place for everyone in the PTA. How about you? Write National PTA, 700 North Rush, Chicago 60611.
The Mutual Radio Theater is brought to you five nights a week at this time. Tonight's original radio play, The Lover of Silence, was written by Robert Ellis and produced and directed by Fletcher Markle. Your host was Leonard Nimoy. Our stars were Howard Culver, Tommy Cook, and Shepard Mencken. Featured in the cast were Linda K. Henning and Corey Burton. The Mutual Radio Theater theme was composed by Nelson Riddle, John Harlan speaking. Associate Director of Mutual Radio Theater is Ken McManus. Sound effects were created by Bud Tollefson. Mark Trella is Production Supervisor. Recording Engineer, Hal McDonald. Music Editor, Lee Ringette. The Elliott Lewis production of Mutual Radio Theater is a presentation of CVI. Mutual Radio Theater has been brought to you by Sears, a name that means quality and value. A name that you can count on for service and dependability. Sears, where America shops for value. This is Lorne Green. Listen in on Monday for another story about the West, as it was then, as it is now. This is Ajax with a reminder to join us again next time for comedy, music, mystery, and drama on CreamCityUSA.com.